10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit world. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to Tipperary for another episode of Life After Life. So tonight I'm waiting for our very special guest to join us. Um, we have Paul Gill coming on. Now, I know he's on here, but he's learning how to use uh, Podbean. So I'm going to give him a minute to enter the studio. He should be on in a second. Hey, Chloe, Kelly, Carrie. Carrie and Karen it's not easy to say one after the other um but I'm so excited guys I was chatting with Paul uh, hey Paul hey Sandy hey welcome to um life after life it I, we are so honored to have Paul on here guys um because he's always so busy and how I found Paul in the first place was Paul used to do a regular slot on our national radio station tip fm our Today FM, I should say, not Tip FM. Today yeah. FM. And I heard him on there. God, it must be a few years ago now, Paul, eh? Um, uh, Fergal Darcy is with, a good friend of mine. Fergal, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very I fond of Fergal. From iRadio. I used to do a gig on iRadio. Yeah. Um, was that when he was in He was in Athlone, the, the radio he, station there, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, that's where I met Fergal. Uh, God, it must be nearly 10 years ago now. Uh, so then when he moved to, news, uh, to uh, Today FM, uh, I was a guest on his show uh, on, on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, but I think things just got too busy for you then, didn't they? Yeah, I'm yeah. busy, but it's a good complaint. It's, yeah, it's a great complaint to have. I tell you, anybody who's in business would love that complaint. Um, but you're a hypnotherapist, okay? So I know you do a lot of things. Do you want to tell people basically kind of what you cover? Because, um, And I'm going to put your website and your Facebook page into the chat so people know where to find you. If you just okay. want to tell them a bit about yourself and kind of the work that you do, because that's really important. Okay. Most of the work that I do, Sandy, involves some kind of uh, anxiety, working with people subconsciously to help them relieve the symptoms of anxiety. Many, many people, especially with the COVID and all of this stuff that's going on, it's, it's extraordinary, exceptional stuff. And people are, are very anxious and they're having anxiety dreams. But sometimes anxiety comes out in other things like uh, habits like smoking, addiction. And a lot of people, especially if they were at home working, started to drink a little bit more. And some of them got a bit worried that maybe they were getting a bit addicted. So I have people coming to me for all kinds of things, even even weight loss. Uh, sometimes people can be eating, comfort eating to help them soothe their anxiety. And I find that hypnosis is a remarkable tool to get to the nub of the issue very, very quickly. What what it is that people are reacting to, because everybody reacts to ordinary everyday current stress, but you're reacting to that and everything that's ever gone before. We create uh, files in our subconscious mind around everything. So when something today is making you anxious, mm -hmm. uh, your mind relates it back to everything else similar to that, going right back to, to day one with you. And some people would even say back before day one, uh, because we, we kind of were born into this world pre-programmed. Uh, sometimes when, when I said to people like, you know, have you always been anxious? They go, like, oh, yeah, right, right way back. It's like you're born with a predisposition to be anxious. So I love um, 
it, it's almost like being a forensic detective. I could tell you some stories that would make your, the hair in your head stand on end uh, as, as regards how the subconscious works. And it works in a remarkably different way to our conscious analytical mind. There's, there's not a shred of logic in our subconscious mind at all. It's all emotional thinking, which is, if you think about wow. it, say something like, like comfort eating, it makes perfect yeah. sense you know, to, to delve into the subconscious to find out why a person is eating stuff that they know is bad for them, that's going to put on weight for them, that they're not going to feel good about. Uh, and yet they persist with these habits. You know, all, all the habits that we enjoy, I think, sometimes are the oh, ones stop. that do harm. Uh, you know. Don't get uh, me talking on comfort eating. I could keep you here for 10 hours talking about that. But, you know, yeah. I like that, that whole thing fascinates me because, um, you know, I've had a few health issues for the last couple of years and I've consulted a, a herbalist and, you know, I've gone from taking kind of, you know, prescription medications to more natural me uh, medicines. Yeah. Um, but it, it really surprised me when um, I went for the consultation. Like we spent a couple of hours together and went right back to childhood talking about everything that I'd been through in my life. And that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? It is. We, we wear our lives in our bodies and on our bodies. When people talk about body language, being able to read people by their body language, we do actually wear our lives on our, uh, on our, our bodies, on our skin, on our faces. You know, somebody with, with a lot of frown lines, you know, you don't have to be uh, the greatest expert in body language to tell that they worry and to think a lot very, 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 very True. deep. Uh, the way people, their posture, uh, even even where we carry weight, where we carry our, our bellies, like are, are the seat of our emotions. Uh, our bellies are our second, our second brain, our second gut, uh, as many of your listeners would know. Uh, yes. And sometimes we're we're comforting, protecting our brain by padding it with stuff, yes. uh, and it works as a strategy. It does work as a strategy, but it's not the best strategy. And sometimes it's a strategy that a younger uh, less mature mind has has employed, you know, going right back to maybe teenage years, we, we've developed a lot of our habits. And even a colleague of mine was saying the other day that a lot of our thinking goes right back to maybe the age of five, six, seven, strong emotional things that would have happened to us around then. We made very strong emotional decisions to still hold sway in our, in our subconscious mind all these years later. And it's wow. like... If you ask somebody, like, you know, would you let a five-year-old run your life now? It's said, no. Well, hey, there is a five-year-old at the wheel in your head running your life. You know? That's amazing. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't mind ever talking about my personal life on here, so I'm going to put it out there. Like, when you say that, um, and I was talking to somebody about this recently, um, my parents separated when I was six years old. And I said to somebody recently who was considering, um, you know, that, that their marriage is going through a tough time. And I said to them, it's probably best to get it over with when the kids are young, you know, because they'll get over it quicker. But actually, that's not really the case then, is it? It's not. No. And, and everybody is different. Wow. And everybody reacts to it. I mean, if, 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 if you're, you're a kid and your parents are tearing each other apart day and night, you know, it's not a great yeah. environment to grow up. And some people say, well, I'll stay because of the kids. No, don't. Uh, you do more harm that way. Wow. Um, it's could spend years in, in therapy trying to fix things. But I think, you know, if people decide to go their separate ways, if they kind of decide, well, look, it, let's be mature about this. We don't get on for whatever reason the relationship is working, but we're still parents to our kids. Yes. Uh, we need to make sure that they're protected and know that they're loved. And, and as somebody said uh, one time, like, you know, kid, it can be advantageous to kids if their parents split up because now they've got two homes they can go to. And that's not the truth. Yeah, yeah. You become good at that, don't you? Pay one yeah, off against the other. Play one parent off against the other. 
<laughs> that's true i've seen that a lot too i didn't get the chance to do that but um unfortunately but I, i've seen it in my cousins and stuff um now i want to ask you about something paul because we had a short chat yesterday evening which i was so grateful for your time and you mentioned something to me about subliminal thinking if i'm pronouncing that correctly can yeah. you explain that a little bit more to me please well, many many people might be familiar with the expression or the uh, um, subliminal advertising. Uh, it's something where, where you can implant on the ideas. It, it's at the core of hypnosis. It's about putting ideas and thoughts into anybody's head. Uh, and and on, on a practical level, it's, it's really quite easy to put a thought or an image into anybody's head. Because if I say President Michael D. Higgins, mm-hmm. Everybody who's on this call has suddenly manufactured a picture of Michael D in their heads and their subconscious mind has instinctively pulled the file on a dossier of Michael D. He lives in the Horace Nook He's got a couple of dogs. He, uh, you know, he, he likes English and he, uh, poetry. He writes. And you didn't have to go looking for that stuff. I just no, mentioned the name. Not. And this is how and conversations happen. Conversations naturally evolve as we, as we mention things. And, uh, uh, and just for our American friends on here, um, Michael D is the president of Ireland. He's the small oh guy that, that that you see on our <laughs> on, on our posters and stamps and whatever else you might see around. But yeah. I am um, you get what, what we get what you're saying, Paul. Yeah. Um, so subliminally, we we pick up on things all the time. Uh, I may have mentioned this in our last call. I think I might have. Uh, but many years ago, uh, a friend of mine used to come up to my house to watch the Champions League on a Wednesday night. I'm just watched mm-hmm. it earlier this evening, um, and he came into the house. Uh, and I was putting on the fire and, and getting everything ready. And uh, he sat down and then next thing he said, uh, do you have any beer? And I said, no, I said, I don't, I don't have to drink during the week uh, at all. I have something at the weekends. He said, God, I have an awful hankering for a beer. So he said, okay, I'll pop, pop into town. I said, well, yeah, fire ahead. Uh, and he went into town and, and after a little while he came back out and coming in the back door and I just shouted out in the sitting room, did you get the Carlsberg? And he goes, yeah, I got, it. how did you know I got Carlsberg? I said, come here and sit down. Champions League sponsored by Carlsberg came up on the screen. Oh, you're joking. And his subconscious mind was ahead of him and realized that the idea of Carlsberg was already in his head in anticipation yeah. that the telly was going to come on and, the, and he would see this. And he just gave him this hankering for Carlsberg. So that's how advertising works. That's how it works. That's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 you can plant subliminal ideas into people's heads through clever conversation. Uh, saying words that are similar to the ones that you want uh, people to uh, to, uh, to think about. You don't even have to say the, the, the exact words, something that's that's similar. And you yeah. can get people, you can control them into people uh, to do and, and, and to think certain things. If you ever watch, Darren Brown is a master at, at this, uh, where, you know, he's and he would say he's an illusionist. He uses hypnosis to a large degree as well. But sure. To put ideas into people's heads. You know that trick he would do with the, the three upturned cups and the three nails underneath thing, and he'd slap his hand right down on the cup to collapse. <gasps> oh, stop. Uh, and he did, he did it wrong one time, and, and he did actually oh. get it through his hand. But he, he, he tells, he gets the people from the audience to tell him which cup to smack his hand down on. But yes. he put the ideas into their head. He suggested them non-verbally and through other little ways, I mean, subliminal little ways, he puts ideas into them, a body language and gesturing as to which cop they should tell him to snap his hand right down on. And he gets it right. Not all the time. But My God. Um, so, yeah, you can, and, and, and you see on YouTube videos, uh, the YouTube is full of this kind of thing, street entertainers, you know, getting people to believe certain things. Slight, slight, of, magic, slight of hand, the magic is, is a similar yeah. kind of thing where you can manipulate people's subconscious mind to get them to make certain choices. 
Uh, that's amazing. So I, I was always uh, amazed by those people that get you to write down something, put it in a sealed envelope, and then it comes true a few hours later. So yeah. that's kind of the thing that, that they'd be doing. Yeah. God, you're going to have to train us to do that. There's plenty of ladies here now, Paul, who want to put the idea of proposal into their boyfriend's heads. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Or I don't know, is, is next year a, a leap year? The, the, then the lady has to... I don't, is, it, is it leap year next year? No, no sure. I don't think so. No. Right. Okay. No. Okay. So, so, so guys, you're safe for the moment. <laughs> They're safe for next year. No, but the, the women want to put the idea into the he's head to propose yeah. to them. Nice. Okay. okay. <laughs> That'll be a whole other show, ladies. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. And um, one thing that I know we started to talk about last night with regards to the subliminal, subliminal thinking, I've been training myself to say that right all day, um, was about, because I was telling you that I'm a worrywart. I'm just the most anxious person in the world. No. I worry about everything. I lose sleep. I feel sick and everything. And you were telling me to replace the word worry with concern. I can't yeah. remember the reason behind that. Could you explain it again, please? Because you, you've, you've learned to be a worrier. You've learned that from your environment growing up. Okay. Uh, and worrying is is panic. It's firefighting. It's running around like a headless chicken. You're not thinking straight. You're just reacting to yeah. things. I mean, if you said to somebody, don't worry, that just makes it all the worse. Because the subconscious mind doesn't differentiate between a negative and a positive. Okay. Uh, if I said to you, you know, don't think of Simon Cowell from X Factor. You're thinking of him, even though I said don't yeah. think of him. You have to think of him in order to, to dismiss the idea. <laughs> of course. So I said you don't worry. You have to think of worry and get into the worry state of mind. So anything I suggest to your subconscious mind, your mind pulls all the data it has on file about that thing. So I said to people, look, instead of worrying, decide you're going to be concerned about things. Yeah. Concern is a much more empowering position because it automatically implies that you're going to think and you're going to be rational and you're going to make the best decisions for you and for those people who are important to you. So, uh, and it, it, it's, it's not a helpless situation. Sure. Uh, and it does give you more stability. So then you can, can go, okay, um, the situation that's going on, uh, I don't like it. It's, you know, dangerous. Uh, I'm uncomfortable about it. Okay, I'm going to be concerned. What do I need to do? And when you ask yourself that question, your subconscious mind starts pulling all the data it has on fixes. How do I fix this situation? What do I need to do? What do I need to think? Where do I need to go to get help or support? And you, you train your mind to do that. And, and following on from that then too, like if people say, well, you know, God, I was, uh, I was worried about the kids, you know, when they get home, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, okay, be concerned about the kids coming home, but think of, of what it is you want for the kids. So I want you to, to imagine that they come in the door and they throw their stuff on the floor and they're all chatting, they climb around the table to get their dinner and, them, you know, yes. imagine the positive opposite of what it is that you were concerned about. Yes. And then your mind starts to attract that. It's the law of manifestation, the law of attraction. Just for your thinking. You, this is where it all starts. Everything is a thought. Everything is not like the chair that I'm sitting on at the moment or, or wherever you whatever your listeners are sitting on after some of them in bed. That was once a thought in somebody's head. Somebody had that thought and thought, okay, I'll design this chair. And then they went and they costed it and they spoke to somebody about it and they designed it and re redesigned it. And as a result of that, you're sitting on somebody's thoughts. But the clothes that you were wearing is the same thing. They were once thoughts in somebody else's head. The house that you're in was once a thought. Everything is is has its origins and thoughts. Sort of a thought. Yeah, and even if it's you go amazing. back, <laughs> when you think about it, like yeah, you never put that much thought. Sorry, Paul. Go I, I was going to say, like, if you go back to scripture, um, in in the Christian Bible thing, mm -hmm. it talks about the spirits of the of of God moving over the surface of the planet, uh, and the spirit taught about things first, and then thought, oh, okay, 
let there be light, let there be mankind, let there be animals. So the first part of it is thinking and the second part is speaking it into existence. Because when you speak something, you give it more gravitas than just thinking. Because you mm -hmm. think thousands and thousands of things all the time. And how's your mind going to differentiate between what's important and what isn't? Like, you know, I need to take the bins out. I need to get something for dinner. I need to sort out my life. They're all on the same level in your subconscious mind. But the ones that you write down, the ones that you speak out, are the ones that get flagged as important and your mind gives more energy to those things. God, when like when you think about it, it's just, you know, I don't I don't, I don't know what the words that I want to say is, but like I never put so much thought into into everything. Things are just there. I mean, the world is just too easy for us today, isn't it? Um, but you'd be surprised the things that are kind of lingering under the surface. I once had like past life regression done when mm -hmm. I was in when I was working in Canada. Um, which I wouldn't say I didn't believe in it before, but I often wondered how, how it would work out. Um, and I know that a lot of people kind of go for that, go for the past life regression when they feel that they're carrying something from a previous life. Is yeah. that something that you believe in, Paul? Yeah, it's something I've done a lot of. And, and it, it kind of ties into, I suppose, somewhat. Uh, Buddhists and, and other cultures believe, other religions believe, uh, like in reincarnation. And I would say it's, it's the ultimate being recycled, isn't it? It's environmentally friendly. Because <laughs> I, I, I get people of all religious denominations and, and, and none into yeah. me. Uh, and, and, you know, I say to people, like, you know, if somebody has absolutely no belief in anything, I say to them, you know, one thing that we can agree on is that a life force is energy. Yes. Energy, and we live in our bodies. We, we are energy and energy. Science tells us that energy can never be destroyed. Energy always continues. It goes on to be something else. Uh -huh. And if you think yeah. of a raindrop, if you think of our lives as, as like, like we're dropping a puddle, raindrop, that raindrop gets evaporated by the sun and it goes up into the cloud mixed with other raindrops and it comes down. Uh, and, uh, and it ends up in a puddle or a river or a stream or sea or whatever. And the process mm -hmm. continually repeats itself, re repeats it does, itself. Yeah. I think that's a little bit like like lives, past lives, that we could have a, a repetition. And, and this when I've done past lives with people, you wow. do get this repetition. There was one lady many, many years ago, uh, and I just, I, I'm not breaching confidentiality, confidentiality no. opinions because I'll only tell you the outline of the details. She no. uh, she came to me for past lives, and, and we went, we did three past lives. And in one past life, she uh, was came out of a nightclub or a dance hall in England in in nineteen uh, fifties, and somebody had spiked her drink and given her something, some drug, and she okay. didn't feel well. Her friends let her come out of the club. She sat on a wall outside, fell back, smacked her head off the pavement <gasps> with her skull, and died. And oh, she was seventeen, and she remembered really aggrieved and dying at seventeen. <gasps> and then another past life that we did, she was a soldier in World War One in France. And she was in some kind of an enclave and there was the enemy was closing in and she knew that they were going to she was going to be killed. She was a man in this past because you can be yeah. either sex. Um and and she panicked and just made a run for it and she just remembers being shot and oh. that. And again she was seventeen. And there was a there was a third life as well. Um but I, I said to her then, I said, God, that, that's, that's amazing. She said, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. I said, what, what happened to you when you were 17? And she said, well, I, I died as a soldier and I, and I died in a nightclub. And I said, no, 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 in this life, what yeah. happened to you at 17? And she said, uh, bah, 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 bah. Uh, and then she said, well, my mother took me out. She said, <gasps> I, was a, I was homeless on the streets uh, in London. And I said, there you go. Your life ended it, at 17. It was like the end of your childhood, you know, or whatever you were yeah. saying. Or whatever. I'm an adult. And, yeah, and this is what our past lives was telling her that this team has been repeated. 
over and over. And I was, I was just going to say to you before you said that, I hope she was older than 17 when she came to you for the, yeah, for yeah, the past yeah. life. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, and, and this is, if past lives, past lives have a purpose, it's, it's to make amends and sort things out to stop the cycle. Yes, yes. Um, so just somebody's asking there about um, that they'd love to do their past lives. I happen to know that Liz is in Alicante. So I don't, is that something that's possible to do via Zoom, Paul? Uh, it is, It is. yeah. I mean, I'm, I much prefer seeing people face-to-face, but with, with everything that's going on now. Uh, yeah, there's more and more Zoom work, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'd say to Liz, you know, I've put Paul's details and I'll put them in again before the end of the, the show and you'll be able to contact him directly about the, the past life um, regression. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I have to move on to dreams because yeah. um, it's a huge area that everybody talks about. And I just want to ask you one question because I just was, um, so I I broadcast this live on TikTok every week as well. And I don't normally kind of chat to the people. I just, um, just broadcast it. But I did see someone's comment there that their cousin was in a coma, okay, um, after some sort of accident or something. And, but even while in the coma, I don't know if this is your um, speciality or area, but I just thought it was really interesting that while um, the cousin was in the coma, he was still able to sleepwalk. He he, he was he was getting up and walking. Around. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And okay. they were just asking, like, you know, why? How, how does that happen? Is that something that you would um, kind of have any information on? Yeah, um, because even while we're in a coma or even if we're under, under an anesthetic for an operation or a procedure, we still have an awareness. Uh, okay. We, we, your conscious mind only accounts for maybe 10 to 15% of your awareness. And that's the part of your mind that shuts down when you sleep. And the rest of your mind, your subconscious mind, is, is doing stuff. And it runs 24-7. It's your emotional mind that remembers everything. It's processing everything. And that's what dreams are to a large extent, it's, it's data being processed and shifted around uh, and, and trying to, to sort the thing. When somebody is, is, is in a coma or when somebody sleepwalk, sleepwalk I, I, I had a, a guy come to me many, many years ago. Uh, his family had sent him to me because he'd get up at night and sleepwalk, get into the car and drive off for a couple of hours and drive back. Oh, All, God, that's worrying. Never came to any harm. Thank God. Because his, his subconscious mind was in control. If you think of it, you, you drive subconsciously anyways. You don't you have do. to you think about mm. driving once you once you've mastered the art of driving so somebody in a in a in a in a, in a comatose state they can still hear there's 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 been oh there's lots of cases and i remember covering this on a radio show uh people being aware during operations and and they could feel things even though as far as the doctors were concerned they were out of it um but but there was one case in particular that stands out uh where um a guy, he, 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 he was going to therapy because he thought his father hated him. His father was a surgeon uh, in the States. And um, he couldn't understand why he thought that his father hated him because he couldn't remember anything that his father did to, to indicate as to you know, why he, he didn't like him. But he, under hypnosis, he regressed to um, a time uh, when he was a boy uh, that he had was always getting tonsillitis and his dad being a surgeon said look at it they're not bad enough yet when the, if they do get to a point where it's really bad i want to do the procedure myself yeah so this uh, doctor had a colleague who was who was a rival jealous of him there was a bad bad uh, blood between them and um one weekend while the father was away 
doing something. The son got particularly bad with tonsillitis. The other guy brought the son in and he said, okay, I'm going to do the operation. And the mother said, no, well, you probably shouldn't because my husband won't do it. He said, no, he won't mind me doing it, knowing full well that he, he would. He says, yeah. So when the wife related to the husband, he hopped on a plane, flew back immediately, oh. burst into the theatre. During the operation, the son was sedated under, okay, and the procedure was on, and his father burst in, threw open the doors, and roared at the surgeon, you bastard. Now, the son was aware, and all the son remembered was the father coming into the theatre, looking in his direction, saying, you bastard, and thought he was talking about him. <gasps> and even I thought mean... he might be illegitimate. And remembered this subconsciously. And this, the subconscious mind, being the emotional mind, took heed of this and thought, my father doesn't like me. He thinks I'm illegitimate. I'm a bastard. <gasps> That's and it, amazing. Yeah. But but we do have this this awareness, and even people in in comas, like if you if you play their favorite music, if you talk to them, you you are getting through to them, and people have been talked out and brought out of comas from people relating to them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have read one or two one or two of those stories. All right, that's amazing. And um, just and on the side, and I have I have some emails that people sent in that I want to go through as well. But um, do people remember um what was said to them in a coma? I've yeah, never... people, people can. Uh, some people can remember the actual words, and some people have an impression of it, or or, or knew that they were, you know, if they were slipping away, going towards like the, they felt a voice calling them back in the opposite direction, and they knew they had to go back to that voice, and that yes. was, you know, the other person. People, this is this is the other thing. There's, there's a colleague of mine uh, in the UK, and he, he was saying that he's he's now working with doctors to train doctors how to speak to people. You know, bedside manner is one thing. Yes. If, if, if in an operation, if it's not going exactly well, and the, say the patient's losing blood and the doctor says, we're losing him, we're losing him, the patient hears that and believes it and takes it as an instruction, takes it as a command, not an observation yeah. that, they're, that they're dying, but, but it's a command because doctors are authority figures and what they say carries weight. And if a doctor says you're dying, you believe them. And... God, yeah. So when they see when when they say that, I'm just wondering. So are you saying that mentally we start to prepare to die, yeah, or we, our we, bodies prepares we, to make more blood? No, we kind of go. We're goose. The doctor says he should know. He's the expert here. Yeah, I'm I'm dying. And then when you think of that, then you 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 do uh, move towards death rather than life. So they're they're training doctors in in the UK and other places to kind of go. I need to be cognizant of the fact that this person might have some awareness and might hear what I'm saying. So yeah. Maybe language that the patient wouldn't understand, maybe medical terminology mm -hmm. or kind of going, you know, we need extra blood here quickly, please. Thank you. That kind of thing. Rather than wow. state the person is, is dying. Yeah, I always thought that, that, that medical students should have a personality test before they decide what speciality that they're going into. Um, <laughs> but I do I do want to, um, if it's okay, Paul, I have, there are some people on that want to come on and ask questions, but I do want to go through some of these emails that people sent me because um, for one reason or another, they may not necessarily have wanted to give their name, okay? Yeah. So, um, so one lady wrote in to me and she said she was having a dream and she could physically feel that someone was very forcibly trying to pull her out of the bed by the shoulders. She was on her side and she was afraid to turn over to see what it was. She was calling on her angels and her spirit family to protect her and to take away whatever it was that was pulling her. So she was telling it to leave and to go away and that it couldn't have her. But the strength it had was unreal. And all she wanted to do was to make sure that it didn't get her out of the bed and she felt that if it succeeded, that it wouldn't, things wouldn't end well. 
Um, she said she woke up several times, but every time she fell back asleep and straight back into the same dream again. Mm-hmm. So what do you make of that? There's, there's a couple of things in this, Sandy. Um, so uh, when you're in bed and you've been physically pulled back from, from behind by the shoulders, so you're, you're very vulnerable because your back is exposed to your assailant, if you, if you want to call it that, yeah. person or the thing that is causing the problem. Uh, and so this person is vulnerable. And when, when you're in bed too, you're, you're not fully, you're not as guarded as you would be during the day. You're, you're supposed to relax and go to sleep. And then you, because you're in a state of undress too, you, it, it, there's a vulnerability about True. being in bed uh, and being um, uh, attacked like that, for want of a better word, attacked like that. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that, that the person says uh, that um, the, the strength of this thing was, was unreal, but yet it didn't pull her out of the bed. Like it's easy oh. enough to pull somebody out of the bed if you come at them from your head, you're going to pull them or whatever. And and the fact too that the the thing didn't you know it didn't catch up by the ankles and try to pull her from the bottom of the bed or whatever. It's very, it's a very uh, to me, I suspect that this person was probably at some point in a bad relationship or could be still in a bad relationship, and it's their partner. That ah. yeah, and and the fact that that they kept going back into it again. Uh, is the anxiety in and around the dream because the anxiety isn't hasn't been dealt with, hasn't been dissipated, hasn't been been able to resolve. So, um, and pulling you in in a direction that you don't want to go is manipulating you, putting pressure on you. So, I think the force, the pressure that the person talks about, is not a physical strength as such. It's somebody who's who's a lot of influence over yes. her, or had influence over her, uh, and I think it's it's about a relationship. I think it's about an abusive relationship. And could that just, I'm thinking while you're talking, because obviously I, I don't know any more than what, what, what um, is said here, but could does it have to be a romantic relationship? Could that be a relationship with a family member or a work colleague? Or It's more than likely because it occurs in the bed. It's more than ah. likely a romantic relationship because the, the, the subconscious mind will, will dream in a particular context. It will pick certain things to include in the dream and omit other things. So yes. nothing is random. You know, when, when people say to me, I had this random dream, it means, I don't know, it just came from nowhere. It didn't come from nowhere. It's no. constructed by a, a very uh, intelligent uh, subconscious mind. Just because I said the subconscious mind wasn't logical, don't mistake that for lack of intelligence. It's super intelligent. Yeah. It knows much more about you than you do. God, that's amazing. So um, in your opinion, just from your experience, would this person be likely to experience a dream like this um, again, while they stayed in that specific relationship? Yeah, because yeah. Unless, unless it's resolved, and even if they've left the relationship, um, you know, maybe if, if they went talk to somebody, counsellor, psychotherapist, or even, even a friend, work the, the feelings out, work them through. And again, then, you know, think about what they do want. They want a safe environment to be in. So there, there, there's lots of people who uh, have been fortunate enough to know know people who who um, who call themselves white witches or such. I don't know how you feel about that. Who yeah. cast spells or do rituals or ceremonies around the place to make a place sacred. Kind yes. Of that. Oh, it's a, so you so you could do that with, with uh, you know, incense and other things in, in the mm. room you want. So the claim it as your space. So nothing else gets in there. Nobody else gets in there without your say-so. But really until either the, the relationship itself was healed or ended, it's likely yeah. to be recurring. It's like, it's like there's no boundaries. This person can be got at very yeah. easily. Oh, God, well, I hope that helps the person if uh, she's listening in this evening. And thank you so much for sending that in. So I have another lady, okay, who has two dreams. So I'll take them one at a time. 
Um, I think unless you think that if someone has had two worrying dreams, will I just read both of them out? Do you yeah, think they could be related? Yeah, yeah. read both of them, yeah, because they come from the same mind. So they're, sure. they're obviously connected. Okay, so the first one she says she had back in 2014, okay, it was a year after her mother's mother, her granny, passed away. And they moved into her home and she dreamed all about angels being all over the house and that there was a window. Um, there is where the feathers falling a wall there in real life. I'm not sure what she means by that. So there was a window and two big angels surrounding the window. Yeah. And then her father came up the stairs, grabbed the feathers and put them on the kitchen table. An angel appeared and then flew away. Okay, so I think some, um, what she's trying to say is that some feathers came through the window or through the wall. Yeah, and maybe, there's wall, maybe there's a wall there in reality. And Ah, uh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Might be so that was the first dream, okay, about the angel and the feathers. The father took, the father came upstairs, grabbed the feathers, put them on the kitchen table, and then an angel appeared, but then flew away. Hmm. So the second um, dream is more recent because her uncle recently passed away due to COVID. And um, he passed on a Friday night in September, and she dreamed he said a goodbye speech to her in the ICU room where he'd been for seven weeks. And in her dream, his voice was very prominent, but she actually hadn't heard him speak in over three years. And then four days after her dream, he passed away, even though he was never conscious in ICU. Okay. okay. Now she, sorry, just one more part. She says that every time she has either one of these dreams, she wakes up with a pounding headache, completely different from a normal headache. So she's wondering, does that mean it's spirit or what, what do you think it might mean? Okay, okay. Well, well, each to each to their own as regards beliefs. Whatever your belief system is, whether you believe in spirits, demons, mm -hmm. angels, Christianity, Muslims, Hindu, whatever, your mind will will work within the the, the confines of your 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 belief system. Yeah. But, so, sorry to hear about your uncle. First of all, uh, to the dreamer, um, I wonder why she hadn't heard his voice for three years. Like, you know, was it was he physically couldn't speak, or or was she out of touch with him? I, I, we don't know of that. We don't know. Yeah, we don't. But in that she she had this um, inkling that he was going to pass on, and when she did hear his voice, it, it is it is prominent. I yeah. think I think you know it, it's she's remembering him in in his maybe in his prime or in his strength, and maybe it's it's like a message to her that you know I'm okay, I'm not this sickly weak uh, semi conscious or unconscious man in ICU that mm -hmm. he wants her to remember him as he's as he was before that. Sure. Uh, that, he's, that he's okay, that, he, that he's strong, uh, and he wants to, wants to reassure her uh, before he he passes on. But uh, going back to the, the to the first dream is it's it's a curious thing. I I'd love to know what age this dreamer is because sometimes your your age um, does skew the uh, interpretation of the dream off in one way or another. Like if it was a teenager versus somebody maybe in their you know fifties, sixties. I get you. Yeah. So, um. She can't be too old because in 2014, she was still moved with her parents. So she was still living at home yeah. seven years ago. So yeah. it must be only in her 20s. Okay. okay. So so angels all over the house. Uh, mm. So they're moving in, into the Nana's house. So there's going to be a lot of emotions there too, especially if it's only a year after she's died. So uh, she's still going through the grieving process. She's thinking lots about her nan and, and she would have seen her nan in that house as she was growing up herself. So angels all over the place. You can take that as a good sign. Um, okay. But um, the window 
in the dream. I'm, I'm assuming that there's a window in the dream that isn't there in reality. So you can't see through walls to, to block everything, to block light, to block your, your passageway. You, you, can, you can't use them as fast. You can't walk through walls. Um, angels, as I said, are, are good omens and, and they're moving into the space. So in the wider context, it's a, it's a new space that she was moving into in 2014, a new time in her life, probably a better mm-hmm. time of life. Or maybe she hoped to have that. Uh, so the angels are all over the place. They're, they're industrious. You know more about this than I do. They're, they're not sitting around drinking tea. They're uh, and then she, she said she describes two big angels. They're, they're like the strong ones. They're, they're for the heavy lifting, the heavy things that needs yes. to be done. Surrounding the window is is like guarding, protecting the way. And you know the way they say that the windows are are the are, are the eyes are the windows of the souls. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So so maybe it's it's kind of like protecting that. But the dream changes then because I suspect that there could be something between her and her father that they don't get on to something. Because the whole thing changes. Her father comes up up uh, upstairs. So she's upstairs experiencing this. He comes upstairs. You know the way, like, when you're a kid and you're making noise and whatever, and one of your parents stomps up the stairs and shouts at you. I get yeah. the impression of the father being a little bit like that. But she says that he uh, he grabs the feathers. He doesn't lift them gently and put them on a nice. Take them. He grabs, no, he grabs them. So that's it's abrupt. That's that's uh, gruff, isn't it? And, yes. And he, the whole dream changes after that um, because he brings them downstairs. So he, maybe he brings her down, or he's, he he could be putting her down, or putting down her beliefs or what she believes uh, about angels. So uh, it's it's a use of language. I'd love to, to talk to this person. The language that we use to describe a dream is very, very important. So I, I think her father doesn't share her love of angels. Um, and I think the fact that when he puts them on the kitchen table, the angel appears and disappears. It's almost as if the angel appears and goes, oh, the atmosphere has changed. I'm not hanging around here and leave. <laughs> God, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, just in those few sentences, there's so much there to so take much- into account. There is, and but but I listen very closely to what people say to me when they're talking to me. I don't assume yeah. anything. Yeah. Words people use to describe what they're experiencing currency uh, currently is uh, a way into their subconscious mind. I can I can really get in there very very quickly and, and understand where they're coming from. Wow. Okay, gosh, that's amazing. Okay, so thank you for that, and I hope that helps the um, the dreamer. And I have one final one that was sent in, although we have other people asking questions. So um, so there are two dreams here as well, so bear with me. Um, it was two, so it's about three nights ago. I think this email was sent yesterday. So three nights ago, um, she had a dream that um, she went into the toilet and the toilet was full, okay, of excrement. She couldn't get it to flush down. Um, but kept trying and finally succeeded. It took her quite some time. And then in the same dream, she saw two snakes intertwined with each other, Uh, one head to the left, the other to the right. And they were moving their heads back and forth like they were measuring the distance to strike, but they never looked at her or made eye contact. And she said they seemed to be poisonous snakes. And then she woke up suddenly. Mm-hmm. Now, in the second dream that she's been having since she was a child, she was at her grandma's house and a black bull with horns chased her. So she ran as fast as she could and got into the house. She looked through the window to the bull. So far, it's just a regular dream, only that never happened to me. And I got to know a couple of months ago that it actually happened to my cousin in real life. And since then, she didn't have that dream anymore. Okay, so she had the dream that the bull chased her. She got into the house and looked out the window at the bull, 
but it never happened to her. And only recently she found out that it was her cousin. But she says snakes are constant in her dream and she associates that with her being afraid of them. Sometimes they bite her, but she never feels pain or she never dies in the dreams. Sometimes she kills them and she can actually smell the flesh and blood when she does. Mm. I think there's a strong uh, male-female dynamic coming across in these dreams. Um, Really? uh, Yeah. And it's interesting, the the intertwined snakes, when you say that, I think of the symbol for for healing. You would have, it would be, it's on some medical packages, you know, chemists. I saw, I thought that too when I read it first. Yeah. The, well, the medical yeah, sign, yeah. Yeah, but the, I think on that, the snakes are facing each other. The heads are facing each other. On this, they're, just, they're facing away. So yeah. I think it's conflict and it's it's strife because the, 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 on the one hand, it's healing, but then there is uh, strife and the, the snake's waiting for an opportunity to, to bite or to strike. Um, and snakes, from a Freudian perspective, snakes mm-hmm. can be synonymous with men, uh, phallic symbols and all of that kind of thing. Well, um, I would like to comment on that now, Paul, but go on. <laughs> But you see, it leads, it leads wonderfully into the next dream because the bull, there's no more stronger male imagery than a bull. You cannot have a female bull. No, you can't. And it's a black bull. And mm-hmm. apologies to any of our listeners who are, are, are coloured. I'm pretty coloured myself because I'm not too long back from Spain. But Look at you. Look at you. Go on. We, have, we have in, in Irish society, especially when I was growing up, we can have negative connotations as regards uh, black, like you know, somebody uses black. My granny used to somebody uses black as the ace of spades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or or you know that fellow has a black heart, or there's a dark side. We all this stuff that that it's 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 educated into us as we as we grown up. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's a black bull that's chasing her, and then she seeks refuge in in the house. Uh, so she's trying to get away from the male, the strong male a bull. It's gonna be a bully now. It, it could, at a stretch, be uh, you know a female that bullied her, but I think with reference to the to the snakes, if there's always snakes, the snakes are poisonous in her dreams. But yet, when she's bitten, it, do, it they don't kill her. Doesn't so kill. I think that it's conflict and it's rows and it's arguments with significant males in her life uh, that wound her. They're not going to kill her. They're not going to wipe her out. And in that, it, did you say it happened to her cousin or her sister that was chased by the bull? Her cousin was chased by the bull in in reality. Yeah. I think I think in finding out that it's almost like sharing your problem, and she realizes it's not just me. Uh, it's not necessarily that there's something wrong with me that I have conflict with this person, and subliminally, subconsciously, her yeah. mind has probably joined the dots and decided, well, do you know what? It's okay. It's a problem shared, a problem resolved, or even half resolved. Yeah. Yeah. And snakes, snakes can be sneaky people, uh, like a snake in the grass. Somebody's a snake in the grass. Somebody's, you know, we think, tend to think of snakes as slimy, even though they're not, they're quite dry, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, somebody, a snake will just suddenly, you wouldn't trust a snake. You, they're just going to be looking at you next thing. They just kind of snap. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in the dream too, in that the snakes aren't looking at her, she so can't make eye contact with them. It's like, there's no communication. There's no uh, she can't understand them. Can't understand where they're coming from. There's a block there. There's not that intimacy there. Yeah, that's amazing. Is there any relevance in the fact that she can literally smell the flesh and blood when she kills him in her dream? Yeah, that's that's like that. That it's she's disgusted at some level about it. Ah, uh, there is disgust in this because she starts with with the toilet being blocked full of poop. Um, yeah, and that's her crap, literally. Crap. It is, yeah. And if anybody was to go into that toilet and see it, it'd die of embarrassment. But she does eventually flush it and get rid of it. Um, so she's trying to deal with her crap. Uh, but it took her a long time to do that, obviously. Yeah, 
Toilet dreams are very common. People come to me and say, God, I had this mad dream where I was going to the loo and suddenly there was no walls in the cubicle and everybody could see me. Or I was down the main street and I was on a toilet and, uh, you know, or uh, that's dealing with washing your, 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 your dirty laundry in public. In public. Amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I just brought Kelly on there because she has a question to ask you in a second. Uh, I'll bring you on in a second, Kelly. So, um, yeah. I just, I just felt, I suppose, when you look at the other two, you could say, I mean, it wasn't that I could interpret them, but this one did seem quite dark, I, th I think, a little bit. So um, there obviously is maybe just some bad memories that need to be dealt with with regards to this. So yeah. it might be worth this um, dreamer maybe even contacting you to, yeah. um, to, to maybe deal with that because it's obviously in their subconscious somewhere. Yeah, subconscious will will hold on to stuff and run certain subconscious programs for a lifetime unless there's some intervention. And sometimes the, the person can be blissfully unaware of their subconscious programming until there's a problem. Okay, fair enough. Well, thank you for those three. I have Kelly here. She wants to ask a question, if that's okay, Paul. Okay. Can you hear us, Kelly? Hi. Hi. Hey, how are things? Good, good. Um, hi, Paul. How are you? It was great listening to you, actually. Um, I couldn't wait till tonight, actually, to um, hear you. Um, so I have a best friend with, like, the last... Oh, Hello? Sorry, we lost you. You have a best friend the last what? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, sorry, go back. You were saying you have a best friend? Yeah, I have a best friend for the past 18 years. Like, we're very, very close. We've always been very close to one another. Um, I actually classify her as, my, like, a sister I never had. But every time something drastic happens in our lives, like, we dream about one another. Like, we dream about one another before the event happens. Okay. Do, do you, you're not saying, Kelly, that you shared the same dream. You're not having the same dream. You just no, no. We life. don't share the same dream. Like, but what concerns me, what worries me about the dream is we're never nice to each other in the dream. And then once, like, we've had the dream, we speak the next day and we're like, oh my god, what's going to happen? We know something is going to happen, but we're never nice to one another in the dream. Okay, but you're not you're not the cause in reality. You're not the cause of uh, any conflict to your friend. Are you okay. okay? No, 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 never. It's always like, like I might go through something in life, like you know, um, a breakup, or she could go through something like something I don't know I don't really want to be sharing her stuff either but like like something drastic would happen in one of our lives but before it happens she could have a dream about me and I'm not particularly nice in the dream yeah and yeah. vice versa like I could have a dream about about her and she's in my dream and she's not particularly nice to me and then like maybe a week or two later something will happen and we're like oh my god like we know the minute we dream about each other that something is going to happen, either me or her. And have you ever had a falling out with her? Have you ever had a big... Never. Never. Never, ever, ever, never, ever. No. Okay. So the dream seems out of context with reality. But I would say that you're okay. certainly picking up on each other. That subconsciously you can know stuff that you don't know consciously 
how this is what intuition is. This is this is your subconscious mind picking up on that and information that is out of your conscious awareness. So you could subliminally be picking up on your friend that the stuff happening in and around her and she's in a spot of bother, a spot of difficulty. And sometimes best friends mm -hmm. are people who will speak candidly to each other and tell each other exactly how it is and tell them things that they don't like to hear. And maybe that... Yeah, we're very like that, actually. Maybe that's to not speaking nicely to each other and not being nice to each other. Tell tell your, your, your friend exactly what it is and, and a few home truths sometimes because that's why your friends, if you can tolerate that from each other. So it's also marks okay. the, the fact then that you need, that you're, you're, you're already connected. We pick up on people who uh, we're very close to. We just, you, you know, um, oh, I, 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 I knew a couple one time, uh, I mentioned this in my book, that they used to meet up in dreams. They were, they were very close and they'd have the same dream. Uh, I meet up in the dream. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then there's there's other people. There's uh, there's people in the states. Oh, I can't remember the name of them. There's probably a few different groups who would meet up in dreams. Uh, and even I had a dream like that myself, where I was meeting up with, with other dreamers, lucid dreamers, as well. So the the emotional connection that you have, uh, you'll pick up. You you know the way twins, especially identical twins, will pick up on each other. They can feel each other's pain, and they'll know. Yeah each other uh, i'm thinking of do you know that that film the matrix it's out again in december coming up in one of those i think it was part two there was two there was twins they were all, all white uh if you've ever seen the film i don't know it's probably not a chick flick but it's, it's a man thing no <laughs> but in the, 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 these two they were interviewed on richard and judy and they said they're identical twins two lads and they said since they were small they could pick up on other people's uh, on each other's pain and richard took one of them offset and what he did was he prodded him in the shoulder with a pin or his fist or whatever and shot back into you. Well, what are they doing? You you hit him in the left shoulder. And wow. Just, oh, wow. Yeah. And even like uh, people who are very, very close, um, it applies to twins. Um, they, they, they can die at the same time or run around at the same time. Or even couples who are quite close will die within a short period of time, even though there's nothing wrong with one of them. One of them, you know, the first one could, could have something medically wrong and die, and the other one will die three to six months later. What happens is they die of sadness they, because they lose the will. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm not saying that you're going to die, I don't think. But what I'm saying is... No, no. It's, it's mad, though, because... Yeah, because, like... Um, we are very connected. Like I would know, like I could ring her now and she's like, oh, I was just thinking about you. I, I was just about to ring you. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. we, that's happened like so many times. Or I always, I believe a lot as well. I do a lot of like, um, like, um, like spirit numbers and like angel numbers and stuff. And we'd be on the phone and the two of us say, oh, it's 11, 11 together straight away. We've noticed 11, 11, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, mad yeah, how yeah. connected that we are, but it's it was just something that we've often spoke about. Like, why are we so nasty to one another in our dreams? But I would be absolutely lost without this girl in my life. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 even though you you can be uh, really good friends, there can be things in your friend that you don't actually like. Uh, certain aspects of, 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 of her that you'd love to change, but they can also be aspects in your life. Sometimes we do this thing, what we call projection, where we see flaws okay. or things or uh, react to things in other people. And the only reason we see it in those people is because we already have that ourselves. Um, okay. So that could be, you're, you can be so similar that sometimes it's hard to differentiate between 
you know the way we, we can engage in self-talk internal dialogue where we can be nasty to ourselves or criticize ourselves about something you know a bad hair day or or, or you don't look the best or you need to lose weight or something uh, and and you yeah. this negative dialogue you'd never say it out to anybody but in in it all happens in your subconscious mind and it's all still there. It's all turning around. And then next thing you have a dream and the dream comes from your subconscious mind. So this kind of stuff comes out and in the dream, you're projecting it onto your friend. Whereas really a lot of it might apply to yourself. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll have to be nicer to Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank oh, you, no. Does that answer your question, Kelly? It does. Thank you so much, no. guys. And I really Thank appreciate you. giving me time. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, no problem. Bye. Bye. So I have two more people here, Paul. I won't keep you yep. much longer. Um, Eileen is waiting here patiently. Can you hear us, Eileen? Hi there. Hi. Oh. Um, no, hey. I was just... Hi. Sorry. Um, I was just kind of wondering how to kind of... Uh, well a more normal dream than I sometimes have but it was just the other night um it was like there was like um I don't know neon yellow like I don't know I wouldn't say my hair was dyed it it's like somebody had dumped it onto my head or was seeping out of my head like neon yellow goo it was just yeah. a, a weird one okay and I'm assuming you didn't feel terrific about that um I don't know was it too bothered like I've had all different colors dyes my hair before it was just kind of weird like but would you go with something like that because again the words you think i've had blue i've had you know but it wasn't like my hair was actually dyed that color it was like yeah well yeah that's the word you used is dumb so somebody's dumped. it's not your choice of color somebody has dumped something on you that is reflect badly on you um, okay. So if you if you if you could remember other aspects of the dream, you know, I can't remember anything else. It just kind of oh, stuck with me. I was like, where on earth did that? Yeah. Come or, from? or if you think of who who um, who recently or who was the last person that you can remember would have dumped stuff on you with a problem or an issue or responsibility or or said something. Um, yeah. It's got to do with then how you are perceived because um, this is something then that you were to go out in society with neon, yellow, gooey hair. You'd be noticed. Yeah. People would see it and it kind of wouldn't reflect on you too well, I'm, I'm assuming. Okay. All right. So, it's just kind of strange that I said I'd ask. Yeah. So just think of who, who it is that's dumping on you. Um, yeah. And, and that might lead you to, to understand where it's coming from. All right. That's interesting. Thank okay. You very much. It's mind-blowing. Oh, um, in, sorry. Do you know in the past two, I used to have dreams of maybe things that would happen, but they kind of stopped happening, I think, because they scared me. Do you know when I was younger? Is there any way of kind of getting that back, maybe? It's so, so it was like you were telling me your premonitions of things. Yeah, no, it would be like silly things when I was younger, like I might get into trouble in school or get into trouble at home, you know, a teacher might give out to me, but it would happen fairly much like in the dream. I think the only other thing that I really remember is like when I was younger, my nan died when I was at my friend's house and I just knew I needed to get home. I didn't know why we didn't have a telephone, you know, when I was younger, like, so I didn't know until I got home, but I just knew something had happened. And it's just interesting, you know, kind of, I suppose, being in touch with your intuition more. Is there a yeah. way of kind of working on that? There is, there is, because um, if, if you consider, um, Carl Jung is, used to talk about the collective unconsciousness, that we're all yeah. into this sea of consciousness. 
and some of us more keyed in than others. So you yeah. picked up on something in that uh, unconsciousness uh, that was happening, and, you, and you, although you didn't know it was your nan, you just knew this urgency to get home. I suspect yeah. you, you were probably the kind of kid in school that got in trouble on, on a frequent enough basis. So maybe you knew subconsciously that there was stuff in store for you that you were going to be found out, you were going to be caught about stuff. But what I, uh, the thing that concerns me in this is that it, is it always negative stuff that you have premonitions about? When I was younger, maybe more so kind of negative, even though I would have been kind of a fairly quiet child in school, you know. Yeah. Or even at home, you know, I would have been fairly quiet, but I would have been given out to, you know, for silly things like, and it'd be the silly things that would, but I suppose you could learn if you learn to work with it, you could learn to work for kind of both sides, you know. It's it's what you give energy to, um, but yeah. my concern is is that a lot of people uh, come to me and say I'm, I'm psychic and I go how do you know and they'll cite loads of examples and they're all negative stuff horrible stuff to say yeah. car accidents people dying I said so you never like you know got a message to do these numbers in the lotto and do them and you won they go no 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 and they're really surprised that I would ask something like that. I said well statistically fifty percent of what you if you have a psychic ability fifty percent should be at least positive why is it all negative. Yeah. Well, that's fear-based thinking, and it's like negativity uh, and fear are some of the strongest emotions that move us. And if you have a, a negative-orientated subconscious mind, it's looking, it's out there searching for the negative, and it'll find it. Whereas yeah. if you realize, okay, if it can find the negative, it can find the positive as well. So I would encourage you to um, win stuff pops into your head that you think you have a, an intuition about something's going to happen, write it down. And write down good things, have a positive side of the book and a negative side of the book, or even a neutral side. And then take notice of how many of these things actually do come true, how many of these things happen exactly as you uh, imagined them or even closely. And what happens is you attune your subconscious mind then to go looking for things to give you this ability. It's almost like memory. When when we when we think of memory, we, we automatically think of the past, but memory in its purest um, interpretation of the word it, it, it's got to do with the present and you could say the, the immediate future like deja vu can be yeah. you know an idea of what's going to happen is that you can see immediately into the future I describe it as being on a train and you're looking out the window of the train and these telegraph poles come flying past whoop 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 and you can just see the post as it moves past the window and then it's gone. And then the next one, the window, and then it's gone. But if you put your face up to the window and you squeeze your nose up to the window and you press your face in, you turn slightly to one side, you can see the next pole just before it arrives at the window. And yeah. that can be seen into the future. Okay. So it's a matter of taking note of how many of these things you get right. If you get things wrong, I can go, okay, uh was there any reason for that? Was I in a particular state of mind or emotional state that could be impacting, influencing on my ability to make proper uh, predictions for a better word? So okay. it's, it's like, you. no, I do with words. Um, so you, you create a journal of things that you expect and just notice how many of them turn out right. Is that okay for you, Eileen? Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks a million for your questions. I'm sorry, Paul, you're going to kill us in the morning. I have Carrie here waiting. She's the last caller, so we'll let her have her say. Carrie, you were there and you were explaining a dream. I said it would be easier to invite you on. Thanks very much, Sandy. Hi, Paul. Great listening to you. 
Um, something happened to me there a while back and I felt it was quite strange. So I just wonder if I have an explanation for it. I was sitting on the couch with my partner um, one Sunday evening watching a series and I happened to nod off. He was on the couch, I was on the chair. But um, I guess you can call it lucid dreaming. I was aware that I was dreaming. Something uncomfortable happened. I was aware that I was on the chair and my partner was on the couch and I wanted to wake up. Um, so I was there and said, well, I'll try call him. So I tried really hard to call him on the couch thinking, oh, this will never work. And then all of a sudden, like I woke up and he was standing over with his finger kind of half ready to run out the door. So he said that I actually, I said, oh my God, I was dreaming. Thanks for waking me up. I had a bad dream. He said, I know, I know you called me. But he said, my voice sounded really, really strange. My mouth didn't move or anything. But yeah. my name actually came out of, my his name actually came out of my mouth. So I was just wondering, like, could you explain that? Or I just thought it was like really weird or I've never had to do it again or anything, you know? It sounds on the face of it weird, but there's nothing to worry about. Uh, lucid dreaming is a, is a remarkable ability at, um uh, you know, if, if people could do more and more of it, I, I, I do it on a regular basis myself. But when you're lucid dreaming is knowing when you're in a dream. But when you were in a dream, your muscles, your body switches off, all of your muscles switch off. And that's so that you don't act out the dream. So if you dreamt that you were running or fighting somebody, you wouldn't jump up and start throwing punches. Or I've actually done that too. <laughs> okay. I act out like if I'm swimming, I'm swimming, or I'm running, I'm, I'm actually running or cycling. You're not in a very deep state of, of sleep then because your muscles haven't got a chance to, to turn off. But in that, you wanted to call him. And uh, it's the muscles, your vocal cords, uh, weren't fully activated. So it doesn't sound as if your, your lips didn't move, but you know the way people talk through a ventricular yeah. uh, stomach. It's like that you don't actually have to move your mouth or your lips to, to create sound and the sound of somebody's name thing. So uh, your, your your voice did get out, but it didn't come out in the, the way it would normally come out because your muscles were so relaxed and switched off or semi-switched off. Yeah, I think he thought I was possessed or something for a while there. <laughs> <laughs> You could use that to your advantage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'd encourage you to do more and more lucid dreaming. I, I find that lucid dreaming happens to me if I go into a light state of sleep deliberately. I like to sleep on my side, my left side or my right side. So if I want to do lucid dreaming, I'll sleep on my back. I'll just lie on my back knowing that I won't get 100% comfortable. So I'll, I'll drift from conscious awareness into a subconscious awareness. And then I can just direct my mind off to whatever I want to dream about. Wow. Oh my God! Yeah, Carrie, does that? Yeah, Sorry. no. Like I, I knew I, I could kind of lucid dream. Um, I knew that I can, I can be aware that when I'm dreaming, and then sometimes I try and manipulate the dream. Doesn't always work out, like you know what I mean, the way I want it, you know. But I, mm -hmm. I'm aware. But I never realised that I could actually speak from from dream state. Do you know um, what I mean? You can I? I, yeah. I was writing my book, Carrie. I um. I was trying to study my own dreams, and what I do is I, I go to bed, pen and paper, and I wake up between dreams and write down, scratch down information that was something. And I've, I've got bad handwriting anyway. Uh, but in the morning, I couldn't decipher my own scribbles. So what I did then was I got a voice recorder when digital recorders came out first before iPhones or anything else. And um, I used to record, I'd wake up, get the thing from under my pillow, press the record button, record the dream. But I got so adept at doing that, that one night I actually was recording while I was still asleep. I was talking out the dream while I was having it. Brilliant. And that was fascinating because I was yeah. awake and asleep at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. I've done that a few times where I have, say, written a poem in, in Dream and kind of woke up and then quickly wrote it down and went back asleep again. Brilliant. I was amazed by what I wrote when I was, you know what I mean? It, the, best, I the best poems and best songs are those who have been written in a kind of a dreamy state of mind. Yeah. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. 
that was written for um, uh, Freddie Mercury wrote that and he was kind of half asleep in a bubble bath. Wow. And I just really? came. Uh, Yesterday by Paul McCartney, he dreamt that. Wow. And he was just, he was sitting on the toilet, strumming his guitar because he said it was great acoustics in the small little toilet. <laughs> John Lennon put his head in the door and said, what are, you, what are you doing? He said, I'm just singing a song. What's it called? He said, oh, scrambled eggs because that's what he was going to have for breakfast. And when Lennon heard it, he said, no, change the name of that. Call it Yesterday. My and God. Yesterday, if you listen to it before, it's a really beautiful song. And he wrote it while he was asleep. Wow. Amazing. Paul, well, I'm right. Time. I just want to say thanks so much for taking the call. Thanks a million times. Thanks, Carrie. I'm writing a book at the moment, Paul, so I'm going to write it in my sleep. That would be so much easier. <laughs> do, do, do. I, I, I like it, it, it's a great way to, to do that. I, I, one of my, my simple pleasures in life is a hot bath. Yeah. I love I loved being in a hot bath and then just continually adding more and more hot water. I've been there from an hour, two hours or whatever. And I, I would have a pen and paper or something that I could record my thoughts or any inspirations because you're, you're, you're in a daydreamy state of mind. Uh, and you get great inspiration. I'm definitely going to try that because I'm finding it difficult at the moment. So I'm going to let you go in two minutes. Can I ask you three quick questions before I let you go? Yes, of course. I feel like I've been holding you you prisoner, Paul. So um, very quick question from Neve. She never remembers the end of a dream. Is there a reason for that? Uh, It depends on the context of the dream. Sometimes um, when we exit a dream, like I, I have the ability to stay in a dream. Like I, I know when the dream is finished and yeah. if I don't understand it a hundred percent, I'll stay there or thereabouts at the end of the dream, uh, going through it, changing things, testing things until I get a complete understanding of it. Um, but more often than not, if people exit dreams very, very quickly, and this is where, where like sleep paralysis kind of comes into this, what so sleep paralysis is uh, a little bit similar there uh, to, to, to the caller uh, on, on the couch, um, where you exit a dream, usually it's a fearful dream, uh, and, and you exit, you have this awareness before your body is fully awake. But um, if you don't remember the end of a dream, it's, it's like sometimes you're, you're exiting it too quick, usually for fearful reasons. Uh, and then you have to think, well, what is it that, that, that I'm most afraid of? If you ask yourself that when you're awake, your yeah. subconscious mind will come up with answers very, very straight away. And then you'll get back into the dream because that inevitably is connected to why you would exit a dream. I'm assuming that the dream is fearful. Um, happy dreams or whatever tend to stay with us. We have no problem remembering yeah. really happy dreams. So if you can't remember the end of a dream, it's something that maybe you don't want to know. It could be some truth, some reality. And oftentimes we have difficulty facing stuff in our own lives but it's only when you face up to stuff and say well look at if i don't face up to this i'll never resolve it and facing up to you, you you tend to begin to deal with it and if you can deal with yourself great and if you need help there's lots of help available out there there's people like me yeah. um, i don't say exactly like me so i'm probably unique um, <laughs> but people you know counselors psychotherapists those kind of people who can help you get through your stuff uh, dreams are, are a great way of analyzing how healthy you are mind and body you know by the quality of your dreams the kind of things that you're thinking about how you are mind body and spirit yeah and uh, uh, not that you're worried about you're concerned about we have to remember that from the first okay. part yeah. um two other things now i don't know do you believe in psychic dreams christina tends to dream of things the night before they happen like she dreamt about her aunt who suddenly passed away the, the following day. And then she dreamt about another family member who was involved in a car crash the following day. Again, negativity, but they're the two examples she gave me. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is there is a place for psychic dreams. 
Okay. Uh, but again, yeah, it's 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 if they tend to be negative, it's fear based thinking. So she's picking up. She's probably worrying. So be concerned. Don't don't worry about things. So she said her aunt died suddenly. Sometimes there's you know people can can dream of somebody that's dying, but it could be at death's door for a long time, and and so it's no great surprise when they when they do yeah. pass on. Um, but again, I would say to that person if they want to develop that ability, keep a journal of things because you'll remember the ones that come through. You'll remember the ones that you get right, but you won't remember the ones that you haven't got right. It's true. If you yeah. keep a ledger, and then kind of go, okay, am I? Is it like fifty percent? Right, fifty percent wrong, which yeah. is which is more or less guesswork. But again, if you if you've been to hone your instincts, kind of go, okay, what is it that I'm feeling? What intuition? If I was to try to 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 even guess stuff, practice it. My myself and my 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 daughter when she was small, we used to play this game of cards, and it was just just for a laugh. But right. we'd have a deck of cards, shuffle them, put them face down, and I'd say to her, right, next card, do you think is it black? Is it red? And she'd pick, and if she got the right color, she'd get to guess the next one. And you keep going, and whatever cards you got right, you keep your pile there and my yeah. pile there. But we got extraordinarily good at it. Wow. Yeah. That was the thing. Now, That's it, amazing. It yeah, I suppose so. You can kind of train your brain, I suppose, to yeah. pick up on the energy that's around people, maybe. Yes, you can. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to make this the last one because otherwise um, – you know, we could, I definitely could be here all night anyway. So a lady that, who's on TikTok here. So her mother had kept having this dream of a demonic woman. Okay. in um, She had this dream for eight nights straight at three o'clock. She woke up in a cold sweat at 3 a.m. every night after dreaming about this demonic woman. And on the final night, um, she strangled the woman in her dream. Now, not the demonic woman strangled the mother, but the mother strangled the demonic woman in the dream yeah. and never had the dream again. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, the demonic, if, if you dream of a, a strong, evil woman, female presence, sometimes it comes across as a witch, uh, for example. Uh, uh, it can be a, a mother or it can be a female teacher, for example, some domineering female that that person's had in their life but it is actually that and an aspect of the dreamer there's some part of her that she didn't like that we kind of when we disavow disown parts of ourselves we we create them we, we make them into demons in that she strangled the demon meant that she's yes. overcome this and she's got rid of it bruce lee um i, I used to love bruce lee especially when i was growing up and, I, and I, I did martial arts for years um he had this recurring dream where a demon came to him and would strangle him, would kill him every night. But then eventually one night he plucked up the courage. He knew what was going to happen. And he kind of, I'm going to die anyway. And he strangled the demon and killed it. And then it stopped coming back. And that was his fear. Of he wanted to go out in the world and prove to the world that he could be the best. And everybody said, no, you're a small little oriental chap. You're not going to be accepted in Hollywood, blah, 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 blah. And he had all of those prejudices against him. But, but he overcame his fears and went out there. And did it. So I think that this demon is something that was holding that lady back that she has conquered. Uh, some kind of worry or, her, yeah, yeah. Her, her barrier, if you like. And it, in that she strangled her, she didn't shoot her, she didn't blow her up. She strangled her. Hands on. She's taking charge. She's doing this personally. Hands on. Up close and personal. Getting rid of this thing out of her life. So I hope that um, helps her. 
She's yeah, she's still on TikTok. She's going, a witch, wow. She thinks her mother's a witch now. <laughs> Paul, I can't thank you enough. I mean, I could keep you on and the amount of questions that I have here, we could keep you on forever. But I will remind people, some people won't know that we had you on our Facebook page before. And that the replay of that is still available on my website. So for anybody who's listening who wants to know more, because I know Paul spoke about filing away things for um for use in the future and all that. And he spoke about that in the webinar. So if you go onto my website, click on free webinars and the replays of all the past ones are available in there. So you can find out more about Paul. I've put his, um, I put his website and his Facebook page in the comments there. And I will put them when I publish this as a podcast, a downloadable podcast. It'll have all Paul's contact details in there also. Okay. So Paul, from all of us, I can't thank you enough um for giving us your time it's quite late and we didn't intend to keep you so long so thank you so much and hopefully um at some stage in the future we're not going to ask you to come on every month or anything but at some stage in the future we'd love to have you back at any point um, you can see from the comments here that people loved listening to you yeah yeah that's great it's nice nice to be doing yeah, thanks, Mina. And as we say, like you do so much more than just dream interpretation. You do hypnotherapy, past life regression, the weight loss hypnotherapy, anything at all to do with anxiety or anything. So um, to refer people to your website and they can contact you directly. Is that yeah. fair enough? That's lovely, Sandy. Thank you very thanks much. Thanks a million and good night, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Take care. Oh, why isn't this working? Discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit world.